It's time to ring the chimes. It's time to blare the horns. It's time to sound the call to greatness. Has this been the season that Stanford football has wanted it to be? No, no. Is it still big game? You better believe it is. And the Cardinal are looking to bring back the Stanford Axe. That's what we're talking about on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. We're breaking out the NFL Films music for this one, too. I'm, I'm not mad at that at all. Great to have you with us Thursday, November 17th, 2022. It is big game week. Stanford versus Cal. The 125th edition of one of the great rivalries in all of college sports. 2.30 p.m. kickoff up in Berkeley. Looking forward to being in the building for all the festivities. Looking forward to breaking down this uh, week's episode uh, here with you. Great to have you with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. Last name spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. Really looking forward to catching up with a couple of fantastic special guests Stanford defensive back and leader Jonathan McGill. I'm really looking forward to hearing his thoughts from his leadership position amongst the student-athletes on how the season has gone and what it would mean to him to get the axe back and to bring it back to its rightful place. And our second special guest on this week's show certainly knows what it's like to beat Cal. He had a big hand in doing it twice Back-to-back year is one of the biggest bear killers of them all. Former Stanford fullback Casey Moore. Oh, I can still see him rumbling 94 yards against the California Golden Bears in the 99 big game. And I can still see him making that big touchdown catch in overtime to beat Cal in 2000. Jonathan McGill, Casey Moore. I think that guest list is worthy of a big game week. Great to have you with us here on the show. Our first one of the week. You know, normally this year we come at you twice a week. We were not able to bring you a review episode of the result between Stanford and Utah as I was in Iowa last week where it was uh, in the 20s, snow flurries throughout much much of Saturday as I was on the national radio call for uh, Wisconsin at Iowa. Boy, what a head-knocking game that was. That game was everything you think Big Ten football is going to be, and it was. Iowa still found a way to win that game despite not even gaining over 150 yards of total offense. But it was my pleasure to be on the national radio call last week on Compass Media Networks. Looking forward to being back at it again next weekend. Also, I'm a Pac-12 Network play-by-play announcer. Uh, Last night, I was on women's basketball duty calling uh, Stanford women's hoops against Cal Poly. I'm on Arizona State Cal Volleyball on Sunday, so I'm in it's I'm in Berkeley back-to-back days this weekend. And, of course, on Saturday, I will be at the 125th big game. So with me being in Iowa last weekend, there was no review episode of Stanford's 42-7 loss at Utah. That result dropping the Cardinal to 3-7, and seven, and Stanford will be sweeping up and cleaning out the garage during bowl season, as Bill Walsh used to say. David Shaw's reaction to Stanford's record heading into this week. And not making a bowl game uh, was painful. We had our opportunities um, over the last you know month and a half. Uh, didn't finish out a couple of games, um, so we didn't earn it. Um, so right now, uh, we got one trophy, a Legends trophy for beating Notre Dame. Now we're trying to get our second trophy of the year. Uh, See if we can get the axe for our seniors. Yep, still an opportunity. Still a chance to beat Cal, to bring the uh, Stanford axe back home, and to salvage what has been a difficult season. We'll give you three things you need to know about the big game in just a moment. But first, this reminder that basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL. NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. As you know, where we usually start on the show is with three things that you need to know. Let's begin with number one. 
Stanford is three and seven coming into this game. Cal is three and seven coming into this game. And look, I don't need to tell most of you who are listening to this show what a struggle it's been for Stanford this year, but in some ways, Cal has had it even worse off. Bears have actually lost six straight. They haven't won since beating Arizona back on September 24th. They also lost at Notre Dame, who Stanford, of course, beat in South Bend a month later. But overall, both teams have had similar seasons. Cardinal center Drake Nugent notes how that affects the dynamic of this year's big game. Cal's kind of the same similar situation as we are. Um, everyone, like this game is kind of a season in itself. Um, I mean, both teams being from the Bay Area and like all the fans on both sides of the Bay. I mean, even around here, I just feel like um, like the students, students, the fans, like I think everyone cares about it just a little bit more just because it is that close of a rivalry game. Um, and not just for us as full players, but like I said, the students kind of like relate to in their own little rivalry um, just because of like academic academia rankings and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's more just like about bragging rights and stuff, but, you know, it puts a little bit more pressure on us. Um, but that's a good thing. Um, it kind of raises the bar a little bit and makes sure that we got to be on top of our stuff. Straight Nugent. So no bowl bids are up for grabs in this one, but Stanford edge rusher Stephen Heron knows that there's still plenty at stake for the card. With it being a down year, I think that what we've tried to preach over this last few weeks is is guys, you know, whether it's for the seniors in the fifth years or it's for, you know, your younger guys who are actually getting on the field. Like, let's take advantage of the situation that we have in front of us. Let's go win the axe back. Let's finish the season out on a high note. And then let's go into the off season with, you know, with a, with a good taste in our mouths and, you know, um, some ideas to figure out, you know, what, what, what went wrong. And of course, tangible evidence of regaining the Stanford axe. That isn't a, a bad thing either. Let's head to number <laughs> And normally this is an unpredictable series in itself especially when the game is played at Berkeley. But but add to that this. On Sunday, Cal head coach Justin Wilcox fired his offensive coordinator and his offensive line coach. Bears were just deficient up front, and that has pretty much affected everything that Cal has tried to do offensively. So Cal's going to have a new play caller this week. I asked David Shaw how that could make an already unpredictable series even more random for this goal. That's that's kind of the thing, isn't it? I mean, we just don't know. Um, you don't know what uh, what's going to get emphasized, whether it's by the coordinator, the play caller, or the or the head coach. Um, you don't know what the different approach is going to be. You don't know what the run pass ratio is going to be. You don't know what the tendencies are. Um, so that makes it difficult. And at the same time, as I've said before, um, when there's a change like this, it's also a little bit freeing because you can't do the endless um, if-then statements. You have to focus on yourselves. You have to focus on your rules uh, and, and your calls um, and making sure that you're as sound against whatever you see. Um, so um, we can see their personnel on the film, know that they're probably not going to have a completely different offense in, in a week. But at the same time, different things may get emphasized. So as opposed to just playing percentages uh, of, you know, run pass or situational football, you kind of focus on the things that we can do and the things that we we want to do um, for our own personnel, uh, just because you don't know what the tendencies are going to be with a new play caller. Yeah, all that being said, I don't know, something tells me that we could still see something very funky by the Bears very early in this game could also see something very funky by the Cardinal early in the game, too. Neither of those things would surprise me. Let's finish up three things with number three. And the Cardinal haven't lost a big game in Berkeley since 2008. They haven't played a big game in Berkeley in front of fans since 2018. Of course, Stanford's last trip to uh, Memorial Stadium in 2020 was played in front of an empty stadium. No fans were allowed in the building due to COVID-19 restrictions. Cardinal won that one 24-23 thanks to Thomas Booker's big block of that game tying extra point in the final minute. Just a, just a crazy, crazy ending uh, to that ball game. I asked David Shaw what he remembered from that day. To not have anyone in the stands uh, either rooting for you or, or yelling against you. Um, to be in that stands and not hear anybody say, take off that red shirt, you know, which was always here uh, in that stadium. Um, it was eerie. Uh, it was it was eerie. The whole season uh, was eerie. And uh, uh, glad that we're past that. Uh, glad that it's a memory. Um, even to the point of saying we're going to walk in that stadium and hear all the bunch of things that we don't want to hear. 
Um, but that's what makes the game fun. That's what make rivalry games on the road fun. Yeah, it sure was eerie. I was there in the press box watching all of that unfold. And the, one of the biggest things I remember from that day was the most noise of anything in the building was coming from the Stanford sideline. It was just eerie to watch. And also that that card stunt that the Cal students tried to pull off. Our axe in the Cal Stanford, in the Cal student section. Yeah. Wouldn't their axe for long, not by the end of the day anyway. But it sounds like David Shaw is glad that the settings will be a little bit more familiar with fans back in the building. Could be loud, but since Stanford's already played at Washington, Oregon, Notre Dame, and Utah this year, there are no strangers to playing in hostile environments. And Drake Nugent actually sounds like he's looking forward to it. The loud stadiums almost helps us in a way. Um, the energy definitely creates a little bit more pressure for us again, like I said. And... I, I personally, I enjoy it. You know, I, I love going out there on third down. Like, you just can't hear a thing. But at the same time, like our new cadence, the clap cadence, we didn't have that last year, it has helped us a lot. And, you know, you kind of just zone out and you just kind of zone into that cadence and making your calls and just playing football. So it's not, not too much to overthink. Yeah, not too much to overthink indeed. All Stanford needs to do is this. Give him the axe. The axe. The axe. Those are three things. Personnel update uh, for Stanford football for this week. Right tackle Miles Hinton is out. Safety Kendall Williamson, linebacker Jacob Mangum Farrar, running back Caleb Robinson, doubtful. Edge rushers uh, David Bailey and Aaron Armitage, and linebacker R- Ricky Miazon are questionable. At least those were the names that were given to us via David Shaw during his weekly press conference on Tuesday. Someone else who also made the injury report is our first special guest on this episode of the TreeCast, a guy that I have really enjoyed watching not just this year, but but throughout much of his career has emerged as one of the defensive stalwarts. He's had some amazing sequences throughout the course of the year. I thought he single-handedly helped keep Stanford in and after that really tough start against Washington State a couple weeks ago. And an all-around fantastic leader, and someone I enjoy ca- catching up with, the senior from Coppell, Texas, Jonathan McGill, our first guest on the TreeCast this week. Jonathan, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, having me on. I know a whole bunch of other players on the team. You know, listen to the TreeCast, so I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm ob- I'm obviously uh, honored that uh, that you can uh, add your name to the list of uh, distinguished uh, players who have uh, joined the show as you have in the, in in the past or the past couple of years or so Um, Stanford's three and seven hasn't been the best season that anyone would have wanted coming into this week. I'm gonna start positive here though. What's been the best part of the season to you as we now head into big game week? Um, I'd say probably one of the biggest positives um, of the season so far. Um, I would say, obviously, you know, one of the biggest ones is, you know, playing in that Notre Dame game, getting a chance to knock off um, Notre Dame and a big team that they were at that time. Um, Also, you know, kind of just getting out there and going out with the guys every single week. Um, A lot of the uh, you can see, you know, um, I'd say kind of something different this year than has happened last than last season. Um, guys are playing like a lot harder um, and and you can really see like the effort. You can see that, you know, the first play of the game looks just like the same as the last play of the game. Um, so when it comes down to like effort, um, I feel like as a team, that's definitely one of the biggest positives I've seen. Um, and just one of the biggest joys, just getting a chance to go out there knowing, you know, that the guy to the left, to the right of you um, is going to give it all that they have. Um, and so that's definitely probably been the positive. But um, moment, the best moment definitely has to be that Notre Dame game going into a hostile environment, getting a dub on the road um, and getting a chance to wave their fans good goodbye. So that was definitely a fun, fun time. <laughs> Always a cool thing when you can beat Notre Dame, especially in South Bend. That was a pretty happy flight home back to the Bay Area, I'm pretty sure. All right, let's flip it to the other side. What's been the most frustrating thing about the season so far for you? Um, I kind of say, you know, similar to, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're playing very, very hard. But, you know, as as players, we still have a lot um, we could clean up from uh, execution standpoint. Um, you know, it's frustrating um, just because, you know, as you know a defense or you know as as offense if you don't have you know it's a team game so if you don't have all 11 guys doing their doing their thing together then it makes it kind of you know difficult for other people um 
if, you know, a linebacker doesn't respond fast enough, the double team is affecting uh, defensive linemen um, that much longer. If a linebacker misfits a gap and the safety misfits it, or if a safety or a DB doesn't, you know, play their coverage um, to the best of their ability, it's a touchdown. Um, and so, you know, just little things and, and, and you know, the techniques um, and, you know, just the execution part. Um, I guess that's, you know, obviously kind of been the most frustrating part of that. Um, you kind of cut on the tape. You know, it's usually around, you know, seven, 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 eight plays. And, you know, when you're playing um, good teams every single week, you know, you can't, you know, have as many mistakes, as many, um, you know, uh, detrimental plays, um, you know, because every team that we've played so far, you know, is, is really good. And so when you give other teams more opportunities, you know, it just makes it that much more difficult for your team to come out on top at the end of the game. It seems like the turning point defensively after a, a, a struggles against USC and Washington and Oregon, it seemed like the turning point was a players meeting and a meeting with the coaches. And you apparently were at the forefront uh, as part of your, your role as one of the leaders of the squad in which you said, told the coaches, Hey, listen, you know, we're defense. We go out there to mess with the offense. That's what we do. What can you tell us about that meeting and the things that sprung forth from it? Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, uh, you know, me and a, a lot of the other um, guys on the defense, um, this was definitely kind of something that, you know, we wanted to to do. I kind of never really heard of it in the past of, you know, players or, you know, even getting a chance, you know, just come together and meet with either the defense uh, coach Anderson or, you know, with with coach Shaw. And so we just had a players meeting or we had, you know, texted in our leadership council um, about something happening. We met up on Sunday um, and then, you know, texted coach Shaw on Monday. Um, and ended up getting the time to talk after practice um, all, all together. And so really kind of just the basis behind it was honestly just establishing communication, um, telling, you know, Coach Shaw, first and foremost, um, how we felt, you know, about certain things um, that was going on at that time um, as a defense, what, you know, as players, we feel like is our strong suit and our strengths um, and, you know, how we wanted to, you know, build on those strengths even more. Um, and so, you know, it's not really a surprise, you know, the secondary, you know, we have a lot of, you know, veteran guys back there. So, um, you know, if we're playing in, you know, cover one situations or, you know, even cover zero, just getting a chance to affect the passer. Um, so, you know, um, we can hold up as a defense um, and, you know, we can get, you know, Steven and David Bailey some more one on one matchups. Um, so. Uh, just talking to Coach Shaw about that. And then, you know, Coach Anderson was, you know, real receptive to that. We talked to him, um, me, Lavani, um, Ricky, Caillou, um, Patrick, and Tobin Phillips, um, and Steven as well. Um, so we all talked to Coach um, Anderson um, and really just told him some of our favorite defensive calls, what we like playing, um, what are some things that we feel like we can, you know, build on, what are some things that we feel like, you know, we're not too comfortable playing with on Saturday. Um, and we honestly, he honestly listened to us. And I want to say, you know, that next game, that Oregon State game was honestly our best game defensively that we've had for that season. And it kind of just seems like every week we're kind of, you know, building on that um, in terms of, you know, being aggressive, you know, uh, you know, calling, uh, you know, more aggressive calls, not just sitting back and letting offenses try to dictate the tempo, but, you know, us trying to dictate the tempo. Um, and so, you know, I felt like that players meeting was was something that, you know, we should have did, we should have been more proactive with as players, um, you know, kind of doing that, you know, whether that was week two or, you know, week three, but um, I felt like the coaches definitely listened to us and, and that's something that, you know, we definitely respect them for. You've had some big sequences in games throughout the season. Obviously, you had a huge hand in the win against Notre Dame. Uh, big tackles, uh, had a hand in the turnover, a critical one uh, that went Stanford's way. And I really thought that when Washington State went up 21 nothing and Stanford was able to close it to 21-7, I really thought that you single-handedly helped Stanford keep, uh, stay in that game until the dam kind of broke later on in the second quarter. When you're going through big sequences like that, when you're making big plays, big big tackles, breaking up passes, being a part of things pretty much from play to play to play. What's that like? Is it like, is like you're out there and you're like, you, you all of a sudden feel un, un, unstoppable, invincible. What's that like? Uh, no, it's, 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 it's fun. Um, you know, uh, I want to say I was watching like a 30 for 30 documentary about the U and I want to say it was Santana Moss or somebody was saying, you know, big time players make big time plays in big time situations and in big time games. And so, um, I remember watching that when I was like in middle school. Um, and honestly, like um, 
we talk about it a lot. You know, there's critical situations um, in a game as a defense and, you know, really, you know, just in a game in general where, um, you know, momentum is going one way and you need somebody on the team to make a play and, you know, make that stop or, um, you know, just get off the field. And so kind of just going through those plays, it's honestly just, you know, I just wanted to be a guy on the team to just help the team out. Um, I wanted to help us play more complimentary football. If the offense is driving, okay, defense, like we have to get a stop on this drive. Um, or, you know, if the offense is struggling, it make, it's that much more important for the defense. To, okay, we got to step up right here. Um, and so, like, just wanting to help my teammates out, um, that's honestly kind of what drives me to to do that. Um, just try to, you know, put our put our team in the best position to try to to try to win at the end of the day. But, yeah, when you're going through it, it it's, it's real fun, um, especially when you're like a big time competitor. I enjoy like competing a lot, going against other offenses and stuff. So, you know, when you're in that zone, you feel it. It's a groove. And sometimes that ball just finds a way to find you. And so um, that's definitely, uh, you know, a fun, a fun part of that. All right, let's talk about this week and the task at hand, the Stanford Cardinal, the California Golden Bears, the big game coming up on Saturday afternoon um, up in Berkeley. Uh, let's start here. What's different about this week on the cal- on, on the football calendar? What, what's different about big game week? Uh, So um, I'd say one of the biggest things is, um, you know, really kind of the school spirit. Um, a lot of the professors uh, might be mentioning the big game and, and you know, in lecture, you can kind of sense – it's a little bit different, you know, when you're at, you know, Stanford, there's 36 sports, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Academics is crazy. So, um, you know, kind of throughout the year, it's not as involved with, you know, football, but anytime you get to play, you know, Cal, anytime it's the big game, professors tell you, um, you know, good luck and, you know, always be Cal and um, other, you know, at student athletes tell you that, oh, we're going to take a party bus to the game this weekend. You guys better win. You guys better have fun. You guys like so just like those little things, um, you really kind of, you know, sense that it's, you know, it's different. It's a lot of pride that is taken into this game. It's a lot of history um, that's taken into this game. So um, first and foremost, um, as, you know, athletes, um, it's our part to, you know, understand the history, understand what's going on and, and really try to, you know, push that um, history forward and really just etch our name, you know, and take that axe back. And so that's definitely something that, you know, is is really different. Um, just the the student morale, the energy um, around campus and football. All right. Uh, your initial thoughts on the matchup between the Stanford defense and the Cal offense, which has struggled by and large, but still has enough weapons to to be quite dangerous. Yeah, um, I think uh, Cal's offense is um is actually a uh, pretty really good. I, I like um their receiver uh, J Mike uh, Sturvant. He's actually from Flower Mound, so I kind of mm. knew of him. That's you know pretty close to Capel, mm-hmm. and so I knew of him in high school. I didn't get a chance to play him. I want to say he was a freshman when I was a senior. Um, but um, you know, a lot of the people in the DFW Metroplex once he said that he was coming to Cal told me about him. Um, knew about him. Um, so I think he's a really good fluid receiver. So I like, you know, his matchup against, you know, Caillou and, and Ethan Bonner um, in this upcoming game. Um, they have a really good freshman back. Um, I, I, he's very dangerous, you know, whether that's catching the ball out the backfield, check downs, turning, you know, a, a one yard throw and, you know, 10, getting up, getting timely first downs. Um, so I feel like, you know, from a from a skill player position, I feel like it's going to be a good matchup with, you know, obviously Levani, um, hopefully, you know, Ricky and, and and Jacob can come back this week. And so just getting that getting that matchup between skill players and, and linebackers and, and running backs, I feel like, you know, it's, it's going to be a big time game. Um, obviously, it's the big game. And so we just can't wait for the opportunity. Yeah, and hopefully you're back too. As we wrap this up here, uh, you've held the axe in victory. You've seen the axe get taken away by the cow folks. What does the axe mean to you? Uh, kind of mentioned it earlier, but it's history. Um, going back um to my freshman year, um, seeing you know 2019, seeing you know uh, Chase Garbers run down the sideline score that touchdown at the end of the game, kind of seal it um, and, and see their their student section and, you know, a lot of their students storm the field um, and, and take it, you know. Going into the game, I kind of, you know, didn't really know too much about um, the big game. You know, I'm coming from Texas. You know, the biggest rivalries you hear is, you know, Red River, Texas OU and, um, you know, LSU and LSU and Alabama and Alabama and Auburn. And so you hear those things, right? And so you come out here and, 
you know, pregame kind of feels different um, than any other game. And then you get into the game and, you know, you start to realize that a lot of the guys really don't like each other because they knew each other, whether, you know, they took official visits together to Cal and ended up going to Stanford or someone wanted to come to Stanford, what ended up going to Cal. And so it's a whole bunch of, you know, that kind of action between the players going on. Um, but um, kind of seeing, you know, the Axe getting lost in 2019, us getting it back in 2020, the joy to, you know, getting the chance to, you know, talk smack to the other team. And then last year seeing them, you know, do the same thing, um, coming to our stadium and take it. Um, I feel like the Axe, it's really history. Like when when you hold that Axe, like in my like in my vision, like I envision, you know, Malik Antoine, Curtis Robinson, um, guys that, you know, I played with freshman year that didn't get a chance to hold it, you know, their senior year, their last camp Scarlet, like those type of guys um, is who I think about. Like this game is about so much more to, than us um, in this moment, but it's called the Stanford Axe for a reason. So when I think of the Axe, like it, it's it's ours. Should be fun to watch. Hopefully uh, you and the rest of the Cardinal squad are bringing the Axe back to the farm by the time it's all said and done on Saturday. Jonathan McGill, our guest here on the TreeCast. Jonathan, always appreciate catching up with you. Thank you so much for the time. Best of luck. Best of health. We'll talk again soon. Beat Cal. Yes, sir. Beat Cal. Thank you. Always enjoy catching up with Jonathan McGill, and I think you can pretty much tell why, right? <laughs> uh, the candor, the honesty, the, uh, the detailed uh, explanations um, on things, and you can also hear why he is one of the leaders of this team and uh, certainly one of the uh, the main driving forces behind uh, the turning point for the Stanford defense, as Jonathan and I discussed. So really glad that we could get his thoughts on that. thought it was a perfect time to get his thoughts um, heading into this big game and and neat to hear. We'll, we'll talk more about this later, but it's it's pretty neat to hear how the Stanford players embrace the history of Stanford versus Cal, big game style. So uh, by and large, once again, another great chat with uh, Jonathan McGill. We always appreciate uh, his time and always great to hear from him. The players listen to this show? <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool too. But uh, certainly our thanks to uh, John McGill for spending some time with us here on the TreeCast. Well, speaking of big game history, we will catch up with one of the legends of Stanford versus Cal, certainly from the Stanford side of things, in just a moment. But first, this. Well, when it comes to the big game rivalry, Stanford certainly has its share of bear killers. Uh, a few guys I can name off the top of my head. Mike Langford in 1974. Uh, Brad Muster rolling up 200-plus yards on the Bears 10 years after that. Uh, Juan Van Lee blocking the field goal, preserving the tie in 88. Uh, Kwame Ellis. Uh, involved in the fumble of Tony Gonzalez to help Stanford win the 1995 big game. Thomas Booker, the big block in the 2020 contest up in Berkeley. I, the entire 2010 Stanford football team after what they did to the Bears that day. And this guy, our next special guest here on the TreeCast, perhaps the biggest bear killer of them all. Maybe he gets the Lifetime Achievement Award in that respect. Played for Stanford from the 1998 season to 2002. Started 44 straight games along the way. All pro, all Pac-10 in 2002 and two-time first-team all Pac-10 all-academic. A pleasure to welcome in to the TreeCast, Casey Moore. Casey, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How are you doing today? Good, Troy. Appreciate you having me on. Tell you what, you actually you caught me off guard. I didn't even realize it was big game week already. The season's going by fast. <laughs> right? <laughs> In the blink of an eye, here it is. We're already here. It's 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 mid-November, and yes, it's the 125th big game uh, between Stanford and Cal. You know, even now, you know, 20 years or so removed from your Stanford playing career, do, do, you, get, do you still get a little extra a, a, a pop in your step this week? What, what does big game week mean to you even now? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's such a great rivalry, you know, coming from the East Coast, being from Florida, not necessarily something that, you know, we were aware of or I was aware of growing up. But, you know, obviously, you've known some of the names, you know, John Elway, Glenn Mil Milburn, you know, a lot of the, the great, you know, Stanford players and some of the Cal players also, like you mentioned, Tony Gonzalez. Um, so, you know, when you get out there and you really get exposed and immersed, you know, into the environment and, and the entire week that kind of unfolds leading up to the game, um, you know, you really get a sense for the tradition and, and the history, you know, of those two programs and, and what it means to 
you know, the different uh, alumni, you know, factions for each group and even the, the the Bay Area community in general, you know, like they always say, regardless of how either team's, you know, season is going at that time, you know, it's one of those games where you, you know, throw the records out the window, you don't know who the, the unsung hero or maybe, you know, the goat <laughs> of, of the game, you know, maybe. So uh, a lot, of, a lot of unexpected things can can be counted on to happen. Let me take it back to 1999. Let's start there first off. And, and before we get to that particular big game in itself, obviously that season didn't start off the way anyone wanted it to, getting blasted at Texas, but able to put things together, hung a half a hundred on Washington State, and then the next week went down to Arizona, who was then the preseason Pac-10 favorite, hung a half hundred on them as well. And the next thing you know, Stanford is playing for a Rose Bowl. What did it take for that team to even be in a position to play for a Rose Bowl heading into that 99 big game? You know, I think it was one of those teams where you had a real, real strong, you know, group of senior leaders, uh, you know, guys like uh, Todd Husak, you know, Jeff Kronshagen, uh, Russell Stewart, you know, guys on my side of the ball, Willie Howard, obviously on the defensive side, Rial Johnson, some of the, you know, upperclassmen names that people would recognize. But guys who were really committed to to the full team uh, concept, you know, and trusting each other, trusting in our coaches, you know, buying into what they had to say. Look, hey, you know, yeah, we we had a rough opening game at Texas, and that was my first first experience to the college football landscape. You know, and that's not definitely not how you want to be uh, welcomed in. But you know, realizing that you know, we had a talented group of players on our team as well. And yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a conference game. So it doesn't affect our conference schedule. You know, we still had, um, even after those first early couple of losses, we still had all those, those goals that we had set at the beginning of the year. were still within sight. The trench dogs, Willie Howard and those guys walking around with the chains around their necks. That was, uh, that was pretty neat stuff. And those guys had a chip on their shoulder and uh, really helped us Stanford, I think, carry the way through much of the season leading up to, that big game. All right. Take me through it. 21 to 13, early fourth quarter. Cardinal backed up on its own six yard line. What happens next? Well, what happened was I had a you know really good offensive line that <laughs> that opened a tremendous hole for me. Uh, you, you know, I don't think I had much than maybe a couple couple arms reaching out as I went through the hole and, and got into the you know second level there and then it was just, you know, off to the races. I mean, you kind of look back at that end of the season, right? I think we had one more game. I think we played Notre Dame after that the following yep. week, you know, and, and you've been through a long season. You've been through, you know, two days, which at that time were a thing, right? <laughs> I feel like an old man now, but, you know, <laughs> nowadays the college football has got a completely different landscape, you know, and you think back to all the conditioning and the the work that you put in in the offseason, you know, to hopefully, you know, put yourself in that position to, to run 96 yards or whatever, yeah, 94 yards, sorry, 94 yards, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter of the, you know, ninth or 10th game of the season um, and still, you know, have the the endurance and, and the uh, ability to do that. So, yeah, you, you turned on the Jets, too. Is that the fastest you, you've ever run? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably with, you know, pads and stuff on. I mean, I, I returned some kickoffs and things like that in high school. I was, you know, came from a pretty small program, so I kind of did did a lot of different things. Um, always knew I could, you know, run pretty fast. I didn't didn't really anticipate myself, you know, kind of scampering to that distance. But, you know, <laughs> hey, that's what, you know, I, I do recall, you know, Coach Willingham always talking about the big game and big games in general and, you know, not knowing when your number is going to get called. And a lot of times it's, you know, an unexpected person that you, you may not think of. And, um, you know, we, we, we had that game, you know, pretty much in hand, but I think that was kind of the nail in the coffin that took the, uh, took the air out of any, any hopes that Cal had left at that moment. So. It, it was the nail in the coffin and it was more importantly, the run for the roses. And the next thing you knew, we were all making plans to head down to Pasadena uh, for the very next month. Uh, your number got called in the next big game in, in 2000, which for my money is still one of the most incredible and exciting and wild finishes I've ever seen uh, to a big game back and forth in the fourth quarter. I can still see Luke Powell tightroping down the sideline for a big 75 yard touchdown goes to overtime tied to 30. Bears miss a field goal as they got the ball first. 
Stanford with its possession on the first overtime. Starting at the 25, it took two plays. You had a hand in both of them. Take me through it. Yeah, if I recall, I think we kind of just ran like a, a you know basic uh, run play over to the right-hand side to start. Uh, I think Kerry Carter, the tailback, might have gotten the ball that time. I think, you know, Cal probably thought we were just kind of positioning ourselves for a field goal. And we uh, actually hadn't run that play um, only one other time, actually, during the Rose Bowl. Uh, we completed a pass uh, during the Rose Bowl. We ran that play also. So it had been, you know, been, a, been some time since we'd ran that play. And just a little kind of deception, try to, you know, get behind the linebackers, make them think we're just going to run the ball up the middle. And, uh, you know, they were in a cover two set. So, hey, safeties just were flying out of there to the corners. And once I got back the, past the linebacker, you know, Randy gave me a nice, easy pass to catch and hauled that one in for the touchdown. So, yeah, another, 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 you know, tight big game. I, you know, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it may be still the only overtime game. I'm not sure if they've gone to overtime since then, but I think at that point it was. So, yeah, as far as I can remember, that that's the only overtime game uh, to this point, um, <laughs> which is kind of amazing given how much drama uh, that we've seen to this robbery still over the last 25 years since overtime um, came back. Now, now, given those two performances, are you allowed in the city of Berkeley anymore <laughs> after what you've done and how much torment you've caused uh, old blues over the years? I'll, I'll tell you what. Well, I haven't been there very often. That's for sure. <laughs> then uh, we, I did actually uh, spend a couple of years coaching at the uh, university of Nevada mm -hmm. and I was, uh, was there back in uh, 2010. I think it was uh, Colin Kaepernick's senior year and Cal mm -hmm. came in to UNR and uh, we put a spanking on them. I think we hung like 50 points on them. They were ranked in the top 25. So, you know, even though I was uh, wearing blue and on the, on the Nevada sideline, it still felt, still felt good to, uh, to hang one on Cal like that. But yeah, it's one of those things where I still remember like my uh, rookie year with the Carolina Panthers, um, uh, we were playing, uh, we were practicing and probably our first or second uh, practice of training camp. I think I ran into the back of Todd Stucy, you know, big left, uh, big tackle, been in the NFL like 12 years mm -hmm. with the Vikings for a long time. And uh, he went to Cal. I ran into him and he, he hollered something at me when I bumped into him. You know, we weren't in pads or anything. But then we get back to uh, the huddle. And that was the first year, unfortunately, after my senior year, we'd lost to Cal after a streak of, of victories. And he says to me, how were you, how did you lose to Cal your senior year, you know, and just <laughs> gave me a nice little dig. So yeah, wherever you go, that, that, uh, you know, that, that association follows you for sure. Rivalries are forever, man. Rivalries are forever. Um, you're as a fullback yourself. I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts, uh, on, on this. Uh, there's, you know, obviously, Offensive football has changed, it's evolved, and you just don't see the fullback as much. Your thoughts on the state of the fullback in college football in, in, in this day and age, and does it still kind of you know, put a little extra pride in your heart when you see a team actually trot out there, fullback, tailback, and all those, all those, all those sorts of sets? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you, you know, again, looking at some of the the more, you know, successful programs when it comes to offense, I mean, definitely in college, you have those some some programs who, you know, it seems like, hey, man, we've just completely like abandoned the run, you know, and they just, you know, sling it, which, hey, it's fun, it's exciting. But I think when you look at, you know, programs like Alabama, Clemson, you know, when we've had our solid years, you know, in the recent past at Stanford, there's still a strong, strong commitment to the run. And, you know, I think it's, it's something that, uh, you know, as a team, I think it builds character. You know, you, you, there's a certain sense of like toughness and grit that you develop, you know, from the offensive line all the way through, you know, running backs. You know, you kind of when you have that mentality where you can go out and just physically like impose your will on somebody else and dominate them at the line of scrimmage. It, it's it's a pretty, uh, pretty amazing feeling. So. Yeah, I, I was just in Iowa uh, this past weekend for uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, and uh, those two programs certainly still yeah. uh, employ the fullback. Yeah, they'll run the ball. Uh, oh yeah, no doubt about that. That was uh, it was kind of kind of neat to watch. I'd kind of forgotten what that looked like a little bit. Um, you're based out of Florida now. You're back in your home state these days. What are some of the things that you're up to, and 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 how did your how have your Stanford experiences still influenced you to this very day? 
Yeah, so uh, that's a, a good question because um, one of them actually le is connected to kind of my most recent uh, you know job change. Uh, I I'd spent a couple of years uh, coaching. I actually went back to Stanford as a graduate assistant in yep. 2008, 2009. Then yep. um, coached at the University of Nevada for a couple seasons. Um, started growing a family. Kind of decided that I wanted to you know be be a dad to my kids and spend more time with them. You know, as you know, the, the coaching lifestyle is demanding. Um, so we've been back in Florida since 2013, um, spent some time in the medical sales world, actually started working with one of my former teammates, Brian Head, um, out in Northern California. And uh, recently this past year, actually been in touch, uh, reconnected with my uh, roommate from my freshman year at Stanford, who has had a couple startup companies and uh, his most recent one. Um, I came on this past year as basically the account executive here in Florida. So, you know, that that kind of Stanford connection is definitely still alive. But yeah, outside of the work stuff, you know, uh, I've got a couple of young kids an 11 year old and nine year old. So, you know, if it's if I'm not working, I'm primarily doing stuff with them, you know, baseball games. I still get my uh, my uh, coaching fix in uh, during the wintertime here. We're about to start uh, flag football for my my son. So, you know, still still just uh, staying busy with their stuff. <laughs> outstanding outstanding to hear all right let's wrap it up on this uh obviously a tough season uh, for stanford to this point bowl eligibility out of the window it's pretty much uh for the axe and uh to beat byu again um next week a hypothetical situation you're addressing the team this week you're 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 giving them the pregame speech getting the guys fired up and ready to roll and try to uh, win the axe back from the california golden bears you're giving the pregame speech given how tough this season has been for the squad what do you tell them? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you want to talk a little bit about the, the tradition and what this game means, right? And, you know, kind of the reason, um, what, you know, why they came to Stanford. I think, you know, at this point, you're probably thinking about what we can do at the end of this season to carry our momentum into next year. You know, I mean, even um, I think that three and eight year, my freshman year when I didn't play, uh, you know, the season before the Rose Bowl year, I think we had a couple of victories there at the end of the year. So that can really set you up for success, you know, next year. And I think you just focus on kind of what what you have left um, in the season and, and starting, you know, with, um, you know, practice yesterday, practice today, you know, um, taking advantage of every opportunity you have, every snap out there, right? Because you've only got, you know, two weeks left, right? What can I do to get better today on this individual rep? during this individual session to, to build towards, you know, moving forward. And if I'm a senior, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, you could really leave kind of leave a stamp on as a senior, you know, is, Hey, we, you know, we won the big game my senior year, right. That's a nice claim to be able to make. So. Good stuff. I like it all the way around. I remember that 98 big game. It wasn't pretty, but it was a Stanford win 10 yeah, to three. Yeah, and that's yeah. really all that matters. All that matters for Stanford this week is beating Cal and a guy who is who knows what it's like to personally have a huge hand in knocking off the Golden Bears, Casey Moore. Casey, thanks a bunch. Really appreciate the time. Best of luck, best of health, and I uh, hope that we get a chance to chat again soon. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Troy. That was fun. That was fun. Good stuff with uh, Casey Moore. Glad he could join us on this episode of the TreeCast and. Uh, Man, you think about it. There have been a lot of great fullbacks uh, for Stanford over the years. Uh, Owen Marisic, uh, obviously. Uh, Greg Camella back in the 90s. Uh, I still don't think that Daniel Marks gets uh, as much credit as uh, he's probably due for his work uh, back in the uh, mid-2010s. So uh, I'm not sure if there's a, a Stanford fullback uh, club, <laughs> if those guys hold Zoom meetings once a week or anything like that. Uh, Casey Moore might very well be at the head of the table, uh, specifically for his work against the California Golden Bears. Really cool that uh, Casey's doing great stuff down in Florida. Glad that we could catch up with him on this episode and hoping to kind of channel him a little bit for this meeting between Stanford and Cal. And, and obviously, Casey Moore responsible for two great moments in big game history, the run for the Roses and uh, the, 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 the kill shot against the Bears in uh, 2000. But certainly there's a lot of history in this rivalry. I mean, heck, there better be. This is the 125th time these two teams are meeting, right? <laughs> and, and the team certainly knows about a lot of that history. And it's, a, it's thanks in part uh, to the student-athletes that are on the team. Stephen Heron, Stanford edge rusher, has helped make sure of that. 
Stephen, with his thoughts on the history between Stanford and Cal, uh, yeah, including what happened in Berkeley 40 years ago. I think everybody's kind of heard like the the radio excerpt stuff like that, like the bands on the field. I think I think that whole thing is kind of it's kind of crazy. Um, and being somebody who didn't didn't grow up on the West Coast and didn't know a lot about Stanford or Cal coming into college, I think it's been really cool for me to learn, really cool for me to understand and. Um, kind of like teach the younger guys, you know, teach the David Bailey's of the world and and CJ Hawkins of the world. Like, you know, what what is what is Stanford about? You know, um, you know, we're having a rough year. With that being said, said Stanford knows how to win. Um, we know how to win the big game. I like to go look at um in our Hall of Champions. We have we have like a whole section dedicated to the acts. Remember, like my sophomore year, I, I went and read that before we before we had to like go and like you know stay in a hotel for the whole week to play football. Um, so before doing that, I think, I think I've kind of made it like a, like a yearly thing is to go back sometime during the week, we read, reread up on that and kind of just, you know, um, delve into the, dive into the history a little bit and really try to understand it more for, um, you know, the history of Stanford, you know, like what is, what is, what is big in this game and what, what is bigger than me? It's a pretty cool answer. I, I thought by, uh, by Stephen Heron, and it's always neat when the current players, always show an interest and a commitment to learning about the history of the football program that they're in so that they can you know know a bit about Mike Langford who who hit the hit the get the field goal at the buzzer uh, to beat the Bears in 1974 you know things like that you know it, it and that's a that's a pretty cool answer I thought from uh, from Stephen Heron um you know what <laughs> how about this you know, I, that that's pretty much going to be the, the the focal point, I think, from a historical sense on Saturday in Berkeley. How about this? Cal can commemorate what happened in 1982. Meanwhile, Stanford can celebrate the four Rose Bowls it has been to since. Deal? Deal. So who adds their names to the history books in this meeting? Well, as usual, it's in all likelihood going to be dictated by matchups. And for the first time in a long time, Stanford won't be facing a dual threat quarterback. It seems like it's just been a nonstop line of them with Dorian Thompson Robinson and, and Cam rising. Michael Penix, maybe not necessarily a dual threat, but man, he can sling the rock and he can extend some plays. Cam Ward, obviously uh, with Washington state, very much in that mix. Bo Nix too for Oregon, but Jack Plummer has been besieged all season long by his porous offensive line. He, he's not the most mobile guy out there, and it's been it's it's been tough on Plummer for pretty much the entire season. Can Stanford make it even tougher? Stephen Heron on how facing Plummer, who isn't known for his mobility, might change the Stanford defense's approach this week. Maybe when it comes to pass rush lanes and blitzes, you know, we're, we're a little bit easier on that and we don't have to be as structurally sound. We don't have to cut off every single route like we did against um, Dorian Thompson Robinson or, or Emory Jones, stuff like that. With that being said, I mean, if, if you leave it open, he's still going to take it. He's still going to, he's not stupid. Um, he's a, he's a big guy, played at Purdue for a few years and, and I went to watch him during my recruitment. So like, you know, I met him at some time and you know, I'm from Indiana. So, you know, I've, I've met him from a, you know, here and then, and uh, he's a good player. Like he's, you know, he's a smart quarterback. If you give him the time and you give him the space, he's gonna make those NFL throws. So I think, I think it kind of doesn't, it doesn't change much, maybe in the approach and in how we can get there. Um, but at the end of the day, you still got to get there. You still got to stop the run if you want to get to him. Well, and there, as usual, at the very end of that quote is the key right there. Can Stanford stop the run? It might not necessarily matter if they can bottle up Jack Plummer if, if Cal can consistently churn out yardage on the ground. And the Bears' running attack, it actually looked pretty good at the start of the year. Freshman Jade not started off hot. Cal's last win, that was almost two months ago over Arizona, Ott that day had 274 yards on just 19 carries, three touchdowns. What a day for that young man. In his last six games, though, he's carried it 83 times for 282 yards. Just 20 yards last week against the Oregon State Beavers. So it, it took him five-plus games to match the output that he had in one game against Arizona. Ott's also not that great in pass protection. Then again, neither is Cal's offensive line. Which brings us back to the biggest issues that have surrounded Cal offensively this year. But even though it's, it's been a real struggle for Ott and the Cal ground game of late, I mean, 
can I rule out a big day for them against Stanford? Wish I could, but I can't. I can't, based on what I've seen from the Stanford running uh, defense, the rush defense, for much of the year. Stanford's got to be sound against the run. They got to force the Bears to throw the ball. They got to force Jack Plummer to to pass the ball. I think Stanford can get to Plummer if they can if they can predetermine Cal's play calling, get the Bears in the second and long, third and long, and force the Bears to put the ball in Plummer's hands. I, I like Stanford's chances of being able to get home on the quarterback. Cal's got some good receivers on the outside too, but can Plummer get on the ball? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I sense that that Stanford versus the Cal ground game is going to be the biggest key to everything that we see on Saturday. Meanwhile, can Mitch Lieber become a big game hero and carry the card rushing game on his back? Boy, that would be kind of neat to see, wouldn't it? He would certainly etch his name on the list of, of improbable big game heroes if that came to pass. Can Stanford's wide receivers, who, who on the whole have had a disappointing season, I think, due to various factors, but I don't think there's any way around it. It's been a disappointing year overall for Stanford's wide receivers, but can they have a breakthrough game this time around against the Bears? Special teams has had a tremendously huge hand in this rivalry for good and for not so good on both sides. What does that mean for Joshua Cardi and Ryan Sanborn? Plenty of subplots, but of course the big result comes at the very end of it. You know, the axe committees for both schools with the stare down on the field. And hopefully once that clock hits zero, it's the Stanford Axe Committee snatching it back, getting it to the players, and the Cardinals celebrating in a quiet memorial stadium, save for the Stanford fans in the building. That would be neat. I'd be in for that. Looking forward to it. 125th edition of the big game. As always, I welcome your thoughts on the show, on Stanford football, on Stanford athletics, anything that's on your mind. Hit me up with them on Twitter. It's free to reply or free to tweet me at this point anyway, (laughs) at Troy Clarity. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the best way to ensure that I see what you have on your mind. On Sunday afternoon, I am back in Berkeley, as mentioned earlier in the show, for Pac-12 Network Women's Volleyball Duty, Arizona State versus Cal. Then after that, I will churn out a podcast, and hopefully we're talking about good things, and hopefully we're talking about Stanford regaining the axe over the California Golden Bears. So should come your way for the next TreeCast late Sunday maybe even Monday morning at the very latest. So we uh, should come your way uh, and, and break it down as, as we do here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Looking forward to that. Special thanks to our guests, Jonathan McGill and Casey Moore. Special thanks most of all to you for joining us on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. Talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online Beat Cow.